This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back. Baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Perception, the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception, the show. All right, Matt. Um, great weekend of football, man. When we talk about the Chiefs taking on the Ravens, NFC Championship, Lions versus 49ers. And, of course, you know there's going to be a lot of discourse following some of these games. Uh, but I want to get your thoughts here. Uh, we'll just kick it right off, talking about this AFC Championship game. Man, Matt, I don't know about you, bro, but I know that the Chiefs didn't score a ton of points, but mm-hmm. I just thought Patrick Mahomes played brilliantly against what is arguably the league's best defense. Yeah, obviously they didn't go off. Um one of my most confident bets about this game was actually that it was going to go under the total because um, this is two of the this is a matchup of two of the best defenses in the NFL, particularly Correct. Baltimore. Which you know at one point it looked like and and this is this is the mark I think of a great game. And I, I wish Baltimore had pushed back a little bit more in the second half to really I think make this like an all time classic because I ended up be- feeling really let down by Baltimore's offensive performance in general. But like usually the mark of a great game is, Hey, at one point, like I thought we were going to get a quarterback duel out of this thing because Mahomes was brilliant. in like <laughs> the first quarter and right. um, Lamar had the long touchdown to Zay flowers. You know, he had the throw that he threw to himself. Um, <laughs> there were, there were some like, amazing. that was, that was crazy. Um, oh, man. and then really like Zay flowers kind of ends up with the egg on his face in the, in the second half because Oof. of um, a couple of uh, a couple of really tough moments there for him, but uh, at the same time he was their most off- explosive offensive player that wasn't yeah. named Lamar Jackson. So um, yeah, th- there were times in this game where it felt like we were going to get a great quarterback duel, but ultimately these are two of the best defenses in the league. And uh, yeah, I mean, just jumping right into the Chiefs stuff, man. Look, I, it's hard to come up with like new things every year to say about Patrick Mahomes, you know, going to <laughs> the <laughs> going to right. the AFC, like winning the AFC and then going to the Super Bowl. And again, I mean, this is this again. This is four yeah. Super Bowls now in six uh, seasons. It's it's insane. It, oh. it really is. Insane. It's unprecedented. Right. I mean, even the early career Brady uh, Patriots. I think the, the crazy part about Mahomes specifically in this is that. 
Like, yeah, Brady obviously was going to Super Bowls, winning Super Bowls early in his career, won back-to-back Super Bowls, the whole thing. Um, but, like, he wasn't always the driving force of this team. And, and no. even still, yeah. like, this is Mahomes' team. And, and I'm kind of getting annoyed at the whole, this is the worst Chiefs team that we've seen go to the Super Bowl. I mean, I don't know if it's the worst team that we've seen. It's just very different, right? Like, because mm. we're sitting here talking about it. This is, like, I think if the Chiefs win this win the Super Bowl this year. I mean, shoot, even if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, like we'll look back on this season as yeah. the Steve Spagnolo season because mm-hmm. um and, and it's so crazy like the career arc of Steve Spagnolo who was actually the coordinator of the Giants when they took down another yeah. in terms of like weighted DVOA all-time right. teams. Like that's the cra- that's the thing about this win over Baltimore. By a ton of metrics, Baltimore is one of the best teams ever. Like mm-hmm. offensive, defensive, special teams wise, like all of it, they grade right. so, so, so highly. Um, like I said, they're comparable to that 2007 Patriots team from a from a DVOA perspective, and yet the Chiefs take them down on the back of largely, I think their their defense, which shut down this offense. And I think again, we we look back on the season, we remember the off the offensive miscues, the the wide receiver woes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Rasheed Rice's slow development into being a guy that you can count on. But really what's been kind of there from week one till now is this has been a defense that can take over games and I think has been coordinated well, has um, like dropped – Steve Spagnuolo always drops these heaters of individual like personalized game plans against these right. great offenses. And this was just another – uh, chapter in that long-standing story for him. Yeah, what Mike McDonald's doing is actually very reminiscent, is it not, uh, of really what Bill Belichick did. You talk about um, some of that connective tissue there, but when Bill Belichick was, and, and really, listen, again, I, I've been on this show many times saying Bill Belichick, the coach, I think it's still coach, okay, and especially on the defensive side of the football, but that's what he does. I mean, he custom tailors some of his defensive game plans to to what you like to get done, and he takes away those things, right? That's been the, the staple of a Bill Belichick defense and I think Mike McDonald has certainly um, taken a, a number of pages out of Bill's book uh, right there. But okay, so yeah, I mean, when I take a look at, at you know what um, at Patrick what Patrick Mahomes did, thirty of thirty nine throwing the football, two forty one, hundred passer rating, seventy seven percent completion rate, and man, I just look at that completion rate, Matt, and I think I think to myself goodness gracious a 77 percent completion rate against this defense with these wide receivers come on man get the hell out of here what is this guy doing 11 for 11 throwing to travis kelsey the rumors of his demise were were greatly exaggerated kelsey played an absolute whale of a game yeah kelsey who's been on a tear in the playoffs despite tear. averaging 29 yards per game in the last three regular season games like there's a lot of things that we just, especially when we're doing like next season fantasy analysis, we always just look back at regular season numbers and don't remember the, unless it's like Gabe Davis scoring four touchdowns in a yeah, playoff yeah, game. Yeah, 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 we yeah, never yeah, talk yeah. about this stuff, but this is like one of those instances where, hey, we should, if Kelsey doesn't retire with his brother at the end of the season and run off into right. the sunset with Taylor Swift, like this is one of those <laughs> things that um, we should remember next season uh-huh. that he had this dynamic playoff run. And I do kind of think that like, I think the Chiefs are already at that point too where, like the regular season just matters a lot less. Um, like, what are we going to do, James, if in September and October next year um, they add nobody to this receiver room? Oh. And it's like, and maybe Rasheed Rice is taking no. a, 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 maybe he hasn't taken a step, right? He's still a really, really good player, but he's not like a true 
alpha one or whatever yeah. you want to say. And it's like, they've brought MVS back and they're, they, they've replaced McCole Hardman and Kadarius Tony with like another goof, goofy little, uh, oh my gadget receiver no. or whatever. Oh my God, <laughs> and no. we're sitting here in October, September next year. And we're like, Oh man, this chiefs offense, what are we doing? And it's like, well, yeah, they'll just be back in the Super Bowl When the games really start, that's when the things will really get going for them. But that's kind of where they're at though. Like as a team yeah. build, you know, well, let me just say this. I think I've seen enough sports to say that I don't think they can do what they did this year again. I really don't. Um, uh, you know, again, just from a talent standpoint, I, I get it. Defensively, they were great. Uh, but offensively, just how much more can you ask Superman to do? You know, I just think it it's exhausting probably trying to get through a season like this if you're Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, you know, and I just don't see there's been a lot of teams that that try to sleepwalk through the regular season because they've had this prior success in the postseason. And uh, when you do it one too many times, man, eventually your your card gets pulled, you know, so I don't know. I, I personally don't think they could do it again. Um, yeah. if they bring back this offensive roster, they need to get, you know, a, a reliable X receiver. Um, obviously from what we have seen in regards to Kadarius, Tony, uh, those rumors that, you know, he was, he was trashing the team and, you know, obviously didn't play in this game for, for personal oh, he, reasons. Rumors. He was on Inst- yeah, Instagram live saying it. I mean, <laughs> good Lord. What a, what a, I, I just what a say player. rumors because it was on his live, but we didn't quite see him. I don't know. Anyways, there's some room. There's like a 1% room for that to not be Kadarius Tony, but 99% sure, yeah, it's Kadarius Tony. Anyways, he's not with the team next year, regardless. Even if it wasn't him, he's not with the team next year, for God's sakes, you know? Uh, he was so bad. Uh, okay, so, so yeah, I just for me, I just feel like, you know, Kansas City can't possibly do this again next year, and who knows, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes might prove me wrong uh, yet again. You know, I want to talk about uh, Lamar's performance, though. I, I don't think he was at his best. Not I don't think. He wasn't at his best. I mean, yeah. <laughs> How many turnover-worthy throws uh, did Lamar have? And by the way, if we're going to level that criticism against Brock Purdy in the divisional, we have to do the exact same thing with Lamar here in the conference championship. I mean, he got away with a lot of throws. And, man, ultimately, you talk about cards getting pulled. That throw that he had to Isaiah Likely was just an absolute head scratcher. You got to be kidding me. Bad throw, bad read, throws into triple coverage uh, and, and probably underthrew him by, by a good, you know, four or five yards. So Lamar did, certainly did not have a very good game uh, in the conference championship, Matt. Uh, no, <laughs> definitely not. And it was disappointing. I, I'm just trying to see if... Um... Like there's turnover worthy plays from Pro Football Focus or anything yet because I was curious what they would have um, had him charted at. I I can't. Uh, yeah, turnover worthy plays. I think they had him with three. Yeah. Uh, if that, if I'm looking at this correctly, so yeah, and I mean I think that's obviously something you can. And Br- Purdy's the only other one with any. Jared Goff none. Patrick Holmes none. Right. Uh, Purdy had two. So six point four percent of his throws were turnover worthy plays according to Pro Football Focus was Lamar Jackson. So yeah, he got away with yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it was a disappointing performance, I think, from both Lamar Jackson and Todd Monken, uh, mm. which is a shame because, like, all of the goodwill and, I think, evolution of this team, of this Ravens offense, like, that was all real in the regular season. And it wasn't perfect wire-to-wire. Um right. 
there were there were definitely some fits and starts. I think obviously early on they're working through their receiver rotation. Zay Flowers is a rookie. Um, that's kind of like the the crazy thing about Zay Flowers is that he might have had the worst you know 115 yard and a touchdown game uh, in, in, in this conference championship because <laughs> right. like if he doesn't fumble right. at the freaking goal line, which yeah. this is why the rule exists because that is a stupid thing to do. Okay. That's a stupid thing to do to reach out at the goal line and 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 on first down was it first or second down it was a it was an early down play yeah. it's a stupid thing to reach out to the goal line because you can get that thing knocked loose and and he should be punished for that in this instance it was actually picked up by the Chiefs but he should be punished for that equally if it if he if it rolls out the back of the damn end zone but that's my two cents on that <laughs> anyways so there, there, Zay Flowers like I said he has the worst 115 right. yard performance in this game but by the end of the season he was a contributor that wasn't like the case wire to wire they didn't fully have him unleashed I think they're closer to have him fully unleashed now like this offense did take all of the necessary steps I think that you wanted to see from the Greg Roman to Todd Monken transition in the yeah, regular yeah. season and then we get and even in uh, the game against the Texans it was hey it was a little rough in the first half but they unleashed things in the second half they problem solved in real time and they really got things going there and then I feel like all of that goodwill it's not all gone right because that stuff did happen in the regular season and, mm-hmm. and it's real and and like this is only this is important to say it's only year up one of the Todd Monken Lamar Jackson marriage and like right. he's gonna be back next year um, I don't know if he's a guy that like teams would really go out, even though he's a great offensive play caller, go out of their way to hire as a head coach. Like he might be there, you know, four or five years. There's a, there's a chance like he could be a, one of the rare offensive play callers that actually sticks around. Sure. But again, it's not that it's not that all of the good things that happen don't matter. It just feels like such a disappointing ending to it because I do think these two guys, particularly Lamar and Todd Monken have to be really disappointed in themselves coming out of that game just so little reliance on the run game. I think oh my um, God. free blitzers coming in, free rushers coming in left and right on Lamar. Like that's a either a structure of the offense or a quarterback issue, not ide- mm-hmm. identifying the blitz and stuff like that. And um, you know Lamar holding onto the ball like a couple beats too long, oh, maybe yeah. not having layup throws in there for him. Like these all come back to the quarterback and the play caller who've been great all year, but a bad performance in the conference championship round. I think everybody was confused as to why the running game just didn't get any opportunities. Gus Edwards had three carries. Three. That is insane. Justice Hill had three carries. That's nuts. Zay Flowers had two, right? I mean, not saying that Zay needed more, but just in relation, you're giving Zay Flowers two carries, but Gus Edwards three? Against the Kansas City rush defense that, again, if you're going to attack this defense anywhere, it's got to be on the ground, man. I mean, Legereus Sneed, first of all, making that play, punching that ball out um, on Zay Flowers. Just avoid that man. (laughs) Avoid Legereus Sneed at all costs. You know what I'm saying? Um, He was an absolute beast, um, and he's been like this all season long. Yeah, going back to the Zay Flowers thing, I mean, you just talk about a cascading effect. He picks up that personal taunting foul, right? The personal foul for taunting. That's what ends up setting up the 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 pass attempt that then leads to the fumble, right? Like if they if he had just caught that ball and said nothing and just did a little nice little first down celebration, cool, we're moving, right? Then then probably what happens is that then they probably run the ball right there, right? And and most likely either Lamar or, or Gus Edwards punches that bad boy in because that's what they do. 
<laughs> that's what these guys do from close range, right? But no, then they're forced back 15 yards and they got to go throw it. And, and uh, you know, again, the cascading effect, um, you know, the butterfly ripples, if you will, uh, of that one play uh, had a huge impact on this game. But the fact they abandoned the run was just, I was so confused, man. Like, what the hell? What, what is going on? It, because again, it's not as if they were out of it. You know what I mean? I mean, they're down one score at most here for the vast majority of the game. What are these guys doing? I, I don't want to say establish the run, but can Gus Edwards get more than three carries, my guy? Yeah, and not to mention, too, Zay Flowers, once he fumbles that, he goes back to the bench and, like, cuts his hand open, slamming his hands against his helmet or on the bench <laughs> or whatever, too. So a lot That's of funny. cascading uh, effects oh. there. Which I, I see, this is what I do think is so fascinating, like psychologically in this game. And um, by the way, yeah, I agree with you that like they should establish, they should have established a bit more of a run game. I, I can't hate the play caller too much for saying, you know, I really want the game to be in Lamar Jackson's hands as opposed to uh, Gus Edwards. I mean, Gus Edwards is a nice back, but, you know, he's still Gus Edwards or like Justice Hill. I don't think acquitted himself very well in this game after having a really nice game against the Texans the week prior. Um, so, like, I get it from that perspective, but I think they lean too far in, in the direction of putting this in Lamar Jackson's oh, yeah. hands. But I, I think this is all an effect of what playing Kansas city is right now. And like, whether you want to be one of these losers online, that's like, yeah, okay, Pat Mahomes, but you think you got to say all the other great things about the chiefs. No, no kidding. There's a lot of great things about the chiefs beyond just Pat from Holmes. Like we're all, we're all in agreement <laughs> of that. We're all in agreement that, that Andy Reed, by the way, like might go down as, uh, does he have a chance to pass bill Belichick as like the standard greatest coach of all time? Um, if he continue, like if he just sticks around for oh, yeah. like what he said, the, I think he, I think years ago he did say he wanted to stick around for the lifetime of that 10 year deal that, um, uh, that Pat Mahomes signed. So there's a chance like he could win a few more Super Bowls. Like if he yeah. sticks around, right. I mean, he could pick, I don't know where he's at from an all-time wins perspective, but he's got to be up there at this point too. Um, we all agree that Reed is great. I do think this is the year where the media, quote unquote, uh, is gonna is gonna and should talk more about Steve Spagnuolo and like what a what a coup that that guy probably is. Like I said with Todd Munkin, never gonna get another head coaching job. Like we all right. agree that there's a lot of good things. Uh, about Kansas City beyond Patrick Mahomes. So like just merely the psychological effect of having to play this team, I do think that gets in opponents' head. I think it gets in in uh in in coordinators' heads now at this point too because yeah. Baltimore just to me seemed so oh, they were tight. Right tight and like riled up, right? Like there was at one point when going into the into the into halftime where I thought Kansas City was just kind of trying to run the clock out and maybe just get to halftime. But then, like, Kyle Van Noy picks up that personal foul penalty. Um, oh, you know, there was a lot of brutal. tough moments like that where, you know, they're like they're throwing flags on Baltimore and for good reason for, like, yeah. you know, kind of pushing the line a, bit, a little bit. And, I, again, I think it was somewhere between the lines of – aggressiveness and 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 being a little too tight and a little too uh wound up in that game and it, it's tough too because the biggest lesson i think from the divisional round against the bills is that josh allen was nearly flawless yeah but nearly flawless is not good enough to beat the chiefs you have to basically pitch a perfect game which uh -huh. the bills came close to doing but um they they you know 
Stefan Diggs doesn't catch the deep pass. Uh, right. Josh Allen misses Khalil Shakir in the end zone because Deion Dawkins gets pushed back into him. So like these very few tiny moments that we talked about last week that where the Bills were almost perfect, but not perfect, not good enough. Baltimore didn't even come close. Like we yeah. could sit here and talk about like 10 things that the Ravens did wrong in that game. Some of them we already have talked about. So Ah, man, there's just no margin for error for beating Kansas City if that's the type of game you're going to play. Yeah, it's a little crazy um, when you talk about, um, especially on Baltimore side. I, I think we have a long, you know, a large enough sample size to say I think these playoff losses are really starting to mount um, for Lamar because let's be real, that first half against Houston last week too, it didn't look very good at all. You know, now obviously the, the, the team got rolling there in the second half, but again, he looked a little tight uh, in that first half against, against Houston. I thought he looked really tight um, in this game against Kansas City. Loosened up, I think, a little bit in the second half, uh, but I just overall not a great game from Lamar. Now, obviously, we got flashes of brilliance like him catching his own tip pass. Oh, yeah. that, was, that was awesome, you know, him getting out of the pocket and running. Um, and doing those kind of things, I think was awesome. You know, it really reminds me of like a fighter trying to learn new skills. You know, it's like when push comes to shove and the fists start flying, you're going to just end up doing what you're comfortable doing. Right. And, and Todd Monken is like, again, I, I think we saw a little bit of the blend between Monken style and the style that Lamar had kind of sort of grown up in the NFL with. But I think when push came to shove, man, like, Basically, what we saw was Lamar taking that ball and running it because he just wasn't comfortable looking at whatever it was he was looking at uh, in the secondary. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Um, Again, I I think we have a long enough sample size here to say, man, uh, are are these playoff losses starting to mount uh, around Lamar? Is he starting to play a little bit bit wound up when we start getting deeper into the playoffs? I don't know. We we may be. That that may be where we're at with Lamar. This uh, stat from Jonas Schaefer, uh, who works for the Baltimore Banner, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. There have been 568 NFL games played this season, including the playoffs. The Ravens' design run rate 
on mm-hmm. Sunday versus Kansas City ranked 563rd, sixth <laughs> lowest. Oh my god! Wow. A lot of these Lamar, you know, eight carries were were scrambles too. And yeah. Like, oh yeah. Honestly, there were a couple times where I was like, "You just take off, man." Like, yep. Could that one long run he had at the it, close to the beginning of the game? I almost wonder if he could have housed that run. Same. Um, he I looked, thought he, he. I thought he was gone. Yeah, I thought he's gone. I do think Lamar is not as fast as he used to be. I mean, yeah. which is which is big whoop. He's probably still one of the fastest players in the <laughs> exactly. league, but he's gotten bigger. Like, remember, he used to be like just under or right around, you know, if he is two, if he was 200 pounds at the combine or whatever, yeah, that yeah, means yeah. he wouldn't know 200 pounds regularly. Now I think he's all of like almost close to 215, 220. Like he's really bulked up um, because he doesn't want to get injured all the time because he right. was probably too frail. But with that size, you're going to decrease your speed. speed. I think the trade mm-hmm. the trade off is worth it. Ultimately, like okay, he doesn't house that run, but it's still a long run. Yep. My point in all that is saying like there are a couple times that even on Sunday where I was like, dude, just take off, man. Like let's go sure. because I don't think he has the receivers right now that work with him well on the scramble drill, and they showed it a couple times too. Uh, on the CBS broadcast, the guys just weren't getting open when he would go off script and like he's waiting for someone to get open so that he can throw it downfield. But yeah, there were a couple times I thought he could have even just like taken the ball himself and scrambled even more because they just weren't calling up run games. And this is again, hyper frustrating too, because we just saw it last week with the Bills. The Bills were gashing him in the run game, man. Where right. it was Josh Allen on design runs, right. James Cook, like even Ty Johnson getting in the mix there too. Yep. And yeah, again, like I said, Gus Edwards is is a solid bruiser back. Justice Hill is okay, but they, these guys aren't great backs. But they had been a real one of the most efficient run teams in the league this year. Exactly. Uh, so getting away from that, I do think was disappointing uh, from from Todd Monken's perspective. I think Monken's done a great job this year. He was a great like the right guy at the right time for the Ravens to push yep. forward and be this historically good team. Unfortunately, I do think that. Both him and Lamar will have to come away from this game feeling like, damn, we missed some, we missed a big opportunity here because, and this is the theme of championship round, I think, because the Lions will feel the same way. Sure. I mean, Dan Campbell even actually said as much after the game that, like, we may never get back here. I don't believe that we won't get back here, but it's really hard to do it. Uh, yeah. and, and that's just like, it's easy to say, oh, a young team like Lamar is still in his prime. They'll be right back here, but, <laughs> but he'll be right back here and he'll be right back to facing Pat Mahomes again and ask Josh Allen how that's gone, you know? So <laughs> I don't know whether it's the playoff losses mo- mounting for Lamar. I just think that like the margin for error is so thin in the AFC right now because of Kansas City and Baltimore would just frankly didn't even come close to 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 matching the the margin for error that they would need. The bottom line is Baltimore didn't play like Baltimore. You know, uh, yeah. thirty seven pass attempts for Lamar Jackson, and again between Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, they had six rush attempts. This is a team that Baltimore coming into today's ball was one of I think the the second highest run percentage rate uh, in in the NFL, right? In terms of run pass percentage, right? So. Again, this is a team that has structured their entire offense around the run. Whether it's design runs for Lamar or design runs for Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, this is a team that runs the damn ball. They didn't do that against Kansas City, against a team that, again, has looked susceptible on the ground. A lot of it just didn't make sense, but at the end of the day, Baltimore did not play offense like Baltimore has played offense um, all season long. Very quickly, Matt, um, where does Baltimore go from here from an offensive you know, I guess defensive uh, standpoint as well. Mike McDonald, he's gone, 
right? He's going to be a head coach somewhere uh, next year. So all these brilliant game planning things that we've seen from Baltimore this year, that that's out the window. Who knows who they bring in? And then from an offensive standpoint, do you feel like the trio of Lamar, Zay Flowers, and Mark Andrews, is that enough? Is that enough offense for, for Baltimore to potentially win a Super Bowl? So two things. Yeah, on the defensive side of it, losing this game makes it easier to lose Mike McDonald. Same thing with Ben Johnson on the Lions side of it here because I feel like Johnson should, is going to go to Washington. I, everything – look, maybe it doesn't happen. Everything I've heard is that like that is the worst-kept secret in the league and that he's he's going to take that job. You know, Maybe by the end of this week, he's, he's, the, he's the head coach right. of the Washington Commanders. And Seattle, like – for whatever reason, has waited until now to interview Mike McDonald. Maybe they hire him. Um, I, I do think there's a chance McDonald's back. I guess there's a chance that Johnson's back too um, with Detroit. But if they lose Mike McDonald, yeah, they're in a tough spot there because their core on that side of the ball is not like the youngest group, right? They get a no. crazy season out of uh, Jadavian Clowney, but he's going to be – he's a free agent. You know, uh, Patrick Queen is a free agent. Justin Matabuke up front is a free agent. You know – um, there's a chance that they need to, some of the guys in the secondary are, are getting a little older. Like yep, Marlon there's Humphrey. this Marlon Humphrey, uh, you know, who yeah. tweeted out yesterday that, you know, damn, it just exactly. hit me like this was our year. That yep. That's tough. I mean, that's tough because that's just, it's the reality of the situation. I, I generally trust Baltimore to keep that ecosystem going because, but, but this has been a huge defensive undertaking, like in terms of identity shift that they've been on the last two years. Cause what they did under Mike McDonald this year is so far different what, than what they did with Wink Martindale three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. So they're still midway on this identity shift, and I feel like it reached a great final form this year. That you're right to bring up the defense um, is definitely an area that, that you need to raise an eyebrow at, at a little bit here. And we know that defense is more volatile year to year than offense, exactly. which, brings me, which brings me to the offense. All the things I said – like all the negative stuff I just said about Todd Monken and Lamar in this conference championship game, I still feel like you have to, you got to feel pretty good about where Baltimore is offensively right now. Um, this, like I said, it was only year one of the Todd Monken, Lamar Jackson experience. Like mm-hmm. I even think at different times of the year, they talked very publicly about how much they enjoyed working together. Like that collaborative effect is only going to get better the more time these guys spend together. You know, um, situations where, like, we're not good in the first half against Houston, but we're awesome in the second half. Like, that's all part of figuring each other out, especially in big games like this. That's a great foundation to work on. I think Zay Flowers, to me, has star potential. I think he can be a huge cog for them going forward. But I do agree that there's other things they need to figure out on offense as well. So you've got a great base to work on there with Mm -hmm. a coordinator who's going to be back and a quarterback that is any way you slice it I think a top five player at the position he has to be top three to in my opinion top three quarterback in the league in Lamar Jackson but Odell Beckham not a playoff hero for this team right he he barely (laughs) played in two games Nelson Aguilar is a free agent Beckham's a free agent I would say that those guys maybe they're back on cheap deals but they're not players you want to really be building around right Rashad Bateman made it through the year healthy which is great you guys know I love Rashad Bateman coming into the league I love the flashes I saw from him but do you count on him as like a key contributor next year I think you need to add to that receiver room I think they need to figure out a way to be a 12 personnel team, to have Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews who combined for 31 yards in this game. Andrews obviously not 100% healthy, but like that needs to be the foundation point of their offense. 
They've right. got to figure out a way to be that type of offense. And then how does Zay Flowers work into that? Is there another like true X receiver if it's not going to be Bateman? And can we get uh, – I mean, again, I like Gus Edwards. I like Justice Hill. But, you know, who, who's going to be what J.K. Dobbins should have been for this team? I think that's a big offseason question for them as well. Yeah, if they could find a transformative running back, oh, that would be perfect, I think, with what Baltimore wants to get done. So, I don't know. We'll see. Um, going from the AFC to the NFC side, uh, we're talking about San Francisco making a huge comeback win. And, and then, of course, an analytics war ensues, which is always <laughs> fun to see online. <laughs> Losers, oh, log off. Goodness. Don't 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 argue with the fourth down, bros. It's just I it's mean, not worth it. The crazy thing is that Mike Florio, of all people from Pro Football Talk, is just straight up just. But I mean, just blowtorch and uh, trying to blowtorch the whole analytics field right now, which is insane. I'm just like, man, Mike Florio of all people. Okay, uh, it I doesn't we'll shock me. I mean. Maybe the, I mean look, it's it's twenty nine. It's the 29th. Uh, you know, Florio I see does have a blue check. He's probably just trying to get make sure the rent gets paid. You know, here okay. uh, the mortgage gets paid, <laughs> get some engagement out of that tweet. Uh, Good. So Good don't tweet. help him pay his bills. Right. <laughs> don't yeah. help. Don't don't help the bad faith actors pay their bills on Twitter. I know it's hard to it's hard not to when you see a bad take and you. You got to share it and you got to share it. You go with a quote tweet to let everybody know what a stupid take this is. But now that like <laughs> now that that website is monetized uh, with the engagements and stuff, oh I mean, you just goodness. don't do it. It's oh not worth goodness. it. All right. So there you go. Uh, again, huge, huge <laughs> comeback win for San Francisco. Uh, let's start with the back end here. Uh, where does Detroit go from here? I, I Look, I know their coach says, okay, Dan Campbell says, oh, you know, maybe we never get here again. I don't, is that true? I, I think most people view this team as a contender for the next few years. Um, I don't know. Do, do you view it as a contender for the next few years, or is this more of a one-off? No, I, I definitely view them as a contender uh, for the next few years. That being said, I, I mean, it's a refreshing moment of honesty from Dan Campbell, who yeah, it's just it's hard to get back, man. I mean, think Hell about yeah. all the team like on the cusp of the Super Bowl. You know, one of the final four teams, the Patriots did it a bunch. The Chiefs have done it a bunch. Um, but, like, think about, like, Phillip Rivers, right? Like, never got back to a conference championship game um, after that 08 showing, right? You know, there's just a lot of teams that get stuck, even if you have, like, a great quarterback, you know? Um, and, and the Lions have a good quarterback in Jared Goff, top 15 quarterback in the league, but sure. maybe not a top 10 type of guy. You know, they don't have a Mahomes. They don't have a Lamar. They, and I don't mean to simplify it at all down to Jared Goff, but, um, like, I understand the the sentiment though, just that it's hard to get back. That being said, if you're Detroit, there is so much reason for optimism. Right. It sucks when you don't take advantage of this opportunity and you lose in that in the fashion that they did, right? Because you have everybody this year. You have Ben Johnson. You have offensive uh, line coach Hank Fraley, who's been rumored to go be a guy that's going to follow Ben Johnson wherever he goes as mm. the offensive coordinator. You know, kind of taking maybe some of that run game mentality and that run game coordination with him uh, to, to to Washington or wherever those guys go next year. So that that's a concern, right? You had those guys this year, and you had the 49ers in the first half, man, and then the, and then you lost the game. So it it doesn't make it sting any less for me to say there's a lot to be excited about for the future of this team i mean brad holmes has been pitching heat in the in the draft uh and in free agency really 
pretty much every single season. There's very few things you can look back on and be like, that was a big mistake from Brad right. Holmes. There's been some, you know, the Jamison Williams trade-up maybe Williams. hasn't. Yeah, I was going to say that. Has, <laughs> although he scored two <laughs> touchdowns in the conference championship that's game. That's so. a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> I don't want to slam. Hard to slam him too hard right now. But, yeah, that's been one move maybe he wants back. But generally, yeah, yeah. he's been pitching gas uh, sure. every single year in the draft. And their free agents have been good for this team. So, well, it's got a lot. Real quick, it, it's funny too, right? Because he got absolutely slammed this uh, draft cycle, right? For taking a running, moving up, taking yeah. a running back early, taking up, uh, taking a middle linebacker way earlier than than folks were expecting. But those two guys, um, you know, Jack Campbell and, and Jameer Gibbs, were big time contributors for you know their respective sides of the football uh, this year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, did he hit a home run? With those picks, given relative value, probably not. Uh, but he he didn't find flops there uh, in the first round. And, and I think that's half the game when you're talking about drafting. I do think we get a little caught up in like, oh, you got a premium position and positional value and all that in the draft when the draft is so hard that if you simply just say, I'm going to take the good players. Good players. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're in a good spot. You're in a good spot. Now, you know, that, it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes you yeah. take a running back who you think is a good player and he's not. Um, it's just, you know, and it does it does help for them that they found premium positions in very unique ways. Uh, obviously, they ha- they have taken premium positions at, some, at times too. They took Aiden Hutchinson high in the draft. They took Panay Sewell high in the draft. Those are, you know, pass protectors and pass rushers are premium positions. But they've also found a guy in Amon Ross St. Brown who is a top 10 receiver in the league or right there, right right in that yep. range. Totally. In the fourth round, they got Jared Goff, you know, premium position quarterback in a, in a unique fashion. So that gives you the margin for error. They've taken a receiver. It didn't work. It hasn't worked out with Jamison Williams, but they did take a receiver. So it's not as if this is a guy that's just like giving the F you to positional value all the yeah, time. Yeah, but yeah. like, especially when you see a guy that can fit in, in your offense and Jameer Gibbs so uniquely, uh, more we're more suited to take advantage of that. I get get the point there. So, um, you know, sometimes you just take good players and it works out because the draft is about acquiring talent. It's the only time of the yep. year when it's like, okay, we can just acquire talent. Um, and, and this was the area to do it. They did it this year successfully. But it's just going to get a lot harder. That was Dan Campbell's message was we can get back here, but it's just going to be a lot harder because, yeah, you probably lose Ben Johnson. You probably lose Hank Fraley. And, right. like, I think they make a very natural comparison to the Eagles last year where – rewind every podcast a little less than 365 days ago when they lose the Eagles lose Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon, frankly, coming off of a um, and let, a little more complicated on the defense side of the football, but just sticking on Shane Steichen, they lose Shane Steichen on the offense mm-hmm. side of the football. And they're like, everyone's like, it'll be fine. They have good players and they just promote internally. They just promote Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach. Well, like, let me tell you what, it was a big deal. <laughs> it was a big deal losing yeah, Shane Steichen sure uh, because Steichen showed in Indianapolis this year that he absolutely has it. Like he's got the feel for being a play caller. Uh, he's got like all the skills, the soft and the hard skills you need to be a great play caller. And Brian Johnson just at least right now doesn't have it as the, as office coordinator of Philadelphia. He's since been fired. Nick Sirianni's yeah. on the ropes, right? I'm yeah. not saying that that's going to happen to Dan Campbell. I think Dan Campbell's a better head coach than than Nick Sirianni for a lot of different reasons, but you know, it just sure they can promote somebody on this very good coaching staff in Detroit. They have a lot of like former players, a lot of highly regarded guys. Ben right. Johnson was himself an internal promotion candidate, but like 
we all complain about the Eagles offense, about how they don't motion, how they don't get under center, how it's like very static, how there's you know not enough of this route, not enough of that route. You know what was that, that, that was true of? The 2022 Eagles offense. They just had a great play caller in, in 2022, and they didn't in 2023. I think that has to be like a little bit of, I wouldn't call it concern with the Lions, but I would call it like a risk going forward for the Lions that if you lose Ben Johnson, what does this offense look like? Oh, man. Um, they obviously have huge needs in the secondary play right now. Their secondary is really what let them down. Uh, been giving up huge chunk plays all season long, especially in the back half of the season. You could make the case that they were potentially the worst secondary in the NFL. I mean, even worse than, than Washington in a lot of metrics uh, in the back half of the season. And we all were just making fun of Washington, how bad they were. Uh, but outside X receiver, also a big need. They're going to pick 29th overall in this upcoming draft. We'll likely lose Ben Johnson as well so now we've got a Super Bowl rematch here San Francisco versus Kansas City remember in 2019 uh, this was Mahomes and Reed's first Super Bowl appearance and first Super Bowl win for them against San Francisco so that will be a rematch we'll be breaking that down uh, in the show's uh, forthcoming all right wanted to get a couple of these hires real quick Matt kind of get your take on some of these but Atlanta hires Raheem. We, last week we talked about Atlanta obviously not moving uh, in the Bill Belichick direction. but So they go with Raheem Morris. Uh, and then Raheem Morris then you know plucks away Zach Robinson, who was the quarterback's coach for the Rams, as their new OC. Uh, thoughts there. Uh, you know what? Let me lead this dance here a little bit here because I am a little bit concerned, to be honest hmm. with you. I know Raheem Morris, uh, This will he's got head coaching experience. I love the hire of Raheem. For him, a defensive guy to go with a completely and utterly unproven offensive coordinator in Zach Robinson has me a little concerned. Um, Robinson's 37 years old, and he's only coached in the NFL for three years, starting in 2019. He was an assistant quarterbacks coach. He was a wide receivers coach, and then, then he was a quarterbacks coach. I mean, we're talking about very very little experience here for Zach Robinson. He was a pretty hot candidate, though. Um, he also spent time with Pro Football Focus. Um, if you, if you he's another that. PFF bro. He is another PFF bro. Um, I think there was, I, I think there was a couple. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So he was he was with PFF, but he's a young guy. He played in the league for a little bit. Yeah. Um, so there's, there, you know, he's only ever been with the Rams. So, yeah, I get there's some inexperience here, but he was a, a pretty desirable candidate, somebody that people wanted to talk to. I think he got interviews to be the Chargers offensive coordinator last yeah. year, among other places. So he's been a guy, look, he's, he's part of the tree that everybody wants you know experience with, whether or exposure yeah. to, is Shanahan, yeah. McVay, the whole thing. I do think, and look, I just talked about the risks with Brian Johnson and, and taking over for Shane Steichen and how we really don't know. And like as hard as it is to project who's going to be a head coach, I think it's equally as hard to say, hey, this guy, just because he was quarterback coach for whoever, is going to be a good offensive coordinator and offensive play caller when he gets on his own. I don't know Zach Robinson and you know whether he's going to be a good play caller, but if he brings over some of the ideas that the Rams had on offense okay. this last year, I do think it's a really good fit for this personnel group. You know, um, a man-heavy run scheme where they're going to get downhill that fits Bijan Robinson. I think. Um, you know, I'm not going to say well, Kyron Williams played all these snaps. You only give snaps to Bijan Robinson. I doubt that's going to be the way <laughs> things right. go. I think they'll still get Tyler yeah. Algier involved, but. 
you know, they did a lot of creative stuff with tight ends. It wasn't super, it wasn't super crazy because it's like Tyler Higby and Davis Allen and a lot of unproven yeah. players. But um, there's some cool stuff this offense has done with tight ends recently. Obviously, I would love to see Drake London used on these big in-breaking routes like they used Puka Nakua on, like they used yep. Cooper Cup on in this offense. Um, so I think this offense in Atlanta is very well set up to be in line with the league's meta right now. And what I mean by that is a power run uh, offense that establishes it, that can control the game on the ground and give layup targets on play action and in-breaking routes to your talented skill position players, namely Drake London. I think this offense is well set up to do that. I think this is the offensive system to do it. Now we just have to see if, like I said with in the Eagles example, if Zach Robinson has the sauce as a player. <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, Zach Robinson comes from this Oklahoma State background. That's where he played quarterback. He was a damn good college quarterback, by the way. Uh, was drafted in the seventh round by New England in 2010. Uh, was another one of these quarterbacks. How many of these quarterbacks sitting behind Tom Brady are coaching in the league right now? It's insane. Uh, but yeah, did, random note. Did you know he played with Des Bryant? At Oklahoma yeah. State, so there you go. I do, yeah. He he and Des had some some fun moments. Uh, Thirty seven years old is Zach Robinson. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what kind of offense actually he brings over from from the Rams because again, you you talk about this power, you know, run scheme, gap scheme. That was new for the Rams this year. You know what right. I mean? Otherwise, it's been all outside zone, outside tosses. Um, or even when we're going man to man gap scheme, a lot of it was just built to the outside. Uh, but I think they they went more to a traditional. I don't want to say traditional, but more of a gap scheme uh, because of the personnel they had. Kyron Williams, I think, obviously working way better. Uh, between the tackles, so we shall see. Uh, in Carolina, they make a move for Dave Canales. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of the move. I, you know, he's been in two stops now, Seattle and Tampa Bay, where he's, you know, uh, taken on some reclamation projects at quarterback, and he's done pretty well with Geno Smith and Baker Mayfield. I, I don't necessarily think that Bryce Young's a reclamation project, but certainly well. Dave Canales will. <laughs> Maybe he is. I don't know. But I think Dave Canales is probably the right guy to get working in the right direction here for Bryce Young. And I thought it's a pretty savvy move for Carolina. Although, again, um, I don't know how much experience Dave Canales has, um, you know, in terms of play calling and all those kind of things. And, and of that, we shall see. But I think if they're trying to invest in Bryce Young, I think it makes a lot of sense. My worry there is is that, is this a sunk cost? You know what I'm saying? Like, are they investing into a sunk cost? Is Bryce Young that dude? I'm not sure. And again, I, I hate to just, you know, slam Bryce Young because he was bad his rookie year. A lot of quarterbacks are bad their rookie year. Uh, but I just, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure that Bryce Young is, is the guy that you really want to be investing this amount of resources into, but, but we'll see. I do think, obviously, one of the first questions to every head coaching candidate that they talked to in Carolina was, Okay, what do you think of Bryce Young, and how can you fix, how can you work with Bryce Young? Not fix Bryce Young, because I don't think that's the terminology that they would use. I think it's how can you work with Bryce Young, because that was clearly the owner's quarterback. You know, they promote a guy internally, Dan Morgan, the assistant GM, to the general manager spot. He has experience working with Dave Canales as well. 
um, from their Seattle days. Dan Morgan right. played with the Carolina Panthers. He was a, a linebacker mm-hmm. then went to the Pro Bowl. He was a yep. top. Uh, he was a first round draft pick for them. Um, and then he was a scout, worked as a, a scout in, in the personnel department with the Seattle Seahawks, where Dave Canales was working in, on the coaching staff under Pete Carroll. So there's some connective tissue there before Dan Morgan went to Buffalo and then uh, to Carolina's assistant GM, now the full-time general manager. Obviously, Dan Morgan signed off on the Bryce Young pick as well. So there was a natural sort of promotion there. And look, Carolina was not going to be able to attract all the hot candidates for no. all of the obvious reasons. So no. while I do think that... <laughs> no. I think like Dave Canales, if he had another great year coaching, uh, being the offensive coordinator in Tampa, could have been like the Ben Johnson of this cycle. He was maybe a year away from being like a top 10 regarded uh, offensive coordinator. I do think he showed in Tampa this year that he is, like I've been saying all show, he's one of these guys that gets it. I think he's one of these guys that has it as a play caller. A little first, a little first and ten run heavy for me, but that's okay. also Todd Bowles stuff. You know, you're you're gonna yeah. you're gonna coach with the, yes. the head coach that you've got there, but the way they use break Baker Mayfield and and kind of let him lean into some of the air raid tendencies, um, the grip it and rip it stuff, push it downfield, but also kind of kept him in a little bit of a box. I think they got the best out of Baker Mayfield that they possibly could. They oh, unleashed yeah. Mike Evans on more of these like big in-breaking routes and just more traditional routes, not just a bunch of go routes like he was doing in the in the Byron Leftwich offense. I think they started to figure it out with Chris Godwin as he got healthy, like the optimal role for him. But really, I think just from an in-game play-calling perspective, I like what Canales uh, has. I also like the way that he um, kind of carries himself as, as a leader in public. And obviously, I, th- I feel very confident about a guy that uh, is coming off the Pete Carroll coaching tree as well. There hasn't all been all hits in that regard, but I do think he's a guy that carries himself well. But it is all about Bryce Young. And I mean, for Bryce Young, man, I, I don't have a strong take on whether Bryce Young is going to be a, a hit or, or, or a failure. I don't know if you do. For me, it's just if we're going to even get a proper evaluation on him, like there's no doubt that what we saw as a rookie – environment beyond beyond the point is just was bad there were really concerning things with Bryce Young that being said I think if we're going to get a fair evaluation we have to have functional offensive line play we have to have functional skill position players and we have to have functional offensive play calling um I don't think any of those three things were true in Carolina last year. (laughs) Some of the worst protection definitely some of the worst receiver play and I, I'm not. I think Frank Reich ran a normal NFL offense, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure that that like it wasn't as. Oh man, this is really poorly designed or anything. It just. I don't think it was the right offense for Bryce Young, and I don't think the that was ever like the right thing. And and obviously he was fired midway through the year, like giving the play calling duty to Thomas Brown, taking it back, the whole thing. So. I, I don't know if Bryce Young's going to be good. I don't know if you have a take on it, but I think we got to get like a fair evaluation on him, which hopefully they will if they can just get to functional at some of these spots. Yeah, I think for me, my, my thought on Bryce Young is um, if he's going to get it done, he has to get it done with accuracy. You know, he just doesn't have a huge arm. He's not a big guy himself. The physical tools just aren't there, you know, no. um, that, that, and that's just and that's just the bottom line. He doesn't have the he's he doesn't have the physical tools. Um, of like a CJ Stroud. I know we make that comparison all the time, but even when you compare him to any of the top, you know, 15 quarterbacks in this league, he has an average arm and he's super undersized, right? So you're starting to slice this pie down pretty, like how many different ways can you succeed as a quarterback if you don't have either a cannon 
right? Or are super, because he's not super elusive either. And he's also super undersized. All right, how can you win? The only way that you can win in my mind is now you just got to be hyper accurate, right? With, with great timing, beautiful accuracy, and just have a, a real command of the offense. Know where everyone's going to be making pre-snap reads, you know, doing all of the processing, pre-processing stuff, post-processing stuff that you got to get done. But man, Matt, again, we're slicing this pie pretty thin, man, in terms of how you can succeed. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it gets really difficult. That's why I'm saying investing this, uh, you know, these, this kind of resources into a quarterback like that, not a hundred percent sure makes it. I, I almost wonder if, you know, like they give it a year and if they don't like what they see, they just pull the rip cord and say, all right, we got to start over at quarterback, which I think might, might actually end up being the case, but you're right. Dave Canales is the right guy to at least get a proper evaluation in year number two from Bryce Young. So I think in that way, it does make a lot of sense. But <laughs> dude, I, I'm, for Dave Canales' sake, man, I hope they don't pull, pull the ripcord on him before they pull the ripcord on Bryce Young. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Part of me was like, well, they gave him a six-year contract, but we know how, what that's going <laughs> right, exactly. That's just the cost of getting him in the door. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yep, the that's cost exactly of like, right. hey – you could you could sit in Tampa and maybe have another good year, or you could get um, you know life changing money, like life changing money to yeah. come be the head coach of the Carolina right. Panthers. Even if you're fired here in two years, we pay you for six, baby. Yep. Yep. Go yep. ahead and build that. Go ahead and buy that second house. <laughs> go ahead and uh, thinking about a beach house. We got good beaches here in North Carolina. You thinking about a beach house? You can go ahead and buy one now. You can go ahead and buy a couple of them. Yeah, absolutely. With these million dollars, yeah, we're going to go ahead and pay you here in Carolina. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I with you that I think just getting Bryce Young to functional is the goal now, which right. it's a tough, tough look, you know, for the guy you traded up to the number one overall pick. But, like, that's done. It's happened. Yep. He's your quarterback. You have to find a way to salvage it. I think it would be a – Dude, we're talking about a huge step just to get him from where he was as a rookie to functional. Like, I think it's almost out of the question for him to take a leap to worth what he was traded up for. But again, like that decision has been made. And now you just got to see if you can get him to, like I said, league functional. Like getting him to be the Jared Goff to Dave Canales' Sean McVay would be like a huge win. But that's a lot to ask for both guys, honestly, at this point. I agree with that 100%. Obviously, they're going to have to, I think, remake that wide receiver room a little bit. Um, if if what we know of Dave bit. Canales is true, they're going to feature a lot of the X receiver. I mean, again, we saw that in Seattle with DK Metcalf, and I think we saw that in Tampa Bay with Mike Evans. Um, the one thing that, you know, you talk about that first down run rate, okay, that's one thing. But I just thought, and we, we hammered this team uh, in 2023 in regards to their usage of Chris Godwin, shifting him from a primarily, you know, slot receiver role to a primarily outside, you know, flanker role, I thought was a gigantic mistake. And they didn't start to rectify that until like week 14, 15, right? So I don't know. Um, I don't think they, they clearly do not have the receivers, Matt, uh, in Carolina to to run what we have seen in Seattle and Tampa Bay under Dave Canales. So I'm a, again, I am a little bit concerned. Yep, that's a, a huge position of need that they have to address and they have to overpay in. Ah, it's it's just so. They're gonna overpay to go get T Higgins to run that system. Is that what they're doing? 
I mean, I guess, man. <laughs> but what are you going to trade the 33rd overall pick? Probably that's what you'd have to do. Um, and then you'd have to pay T. Higgins just top of the receiver market money. Yep. They're just in such a bad spot because they don't have a top. They don't have the first overall pick that they would they should have this year. And and um, yeah, there's not, it's like there's not a number one refree, a receiver coming in free agency. That's that's what you just have to accept. Like it's been hilarious to see all these like. And by the way, I'm breaking my own rule of what I said earlier on the show, where it's like don't engage with people and help them pay the mortgage uh, on social media. But it's okay. hilarious to see all these like, all right. where's Michael Pittman going graphics and free agency. He's like, uh, probably right back to Indianapolis <laughs> because the franchise tag exists. Right. Okay. Exactly. So like re- number one receivers don't exactly. change teams. Don't get your hopes up about the Michael Pittman photoshops, you know, to any team, certainly the Carolina Panthers too. All right. There you go. Uh, Eagles hire Kellen Moore. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting move. Um, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, what we think of Kellen Moore now. I mean, again, hot coordinator name when he was in Dallas and a lot, he lost a lot of luster uh, once he became the OC for the Chargers and the Chargers played the way they did. Yeah, I'm also mixed on Kellen Moore. Um, I'm There's part of me that wants to give him a pass for his work as the Chargers offensive coordinator because okay. they were so injured. Um, I think there were times like very, very early in the season where they ran the ball extremely well in week one uh, when Austin Eckler, the, probably the only time he was healthy all season, they destroyed Miami as a ground game because they were like, hey, we're going to play the too high stuff, the Fangio thing. And the Chargers like, okay, well, we're going to unveil a historic efficient rushing attack in week one. Like their rushing EPA was off the charts in week one. I think that was a nice little, okay, that's a good Feather in the cap of Kellen Moore as a play caller. And I think it was week three by this time Eckler had been hurt. And this was very early on in the Brian Flores Vikings defense experience where Mm -hmm. he was just blitzing the crap out of everybody. And they dropped Herbert back to pass like 40 times. And Josh Kelly pass blocked on almost all of his snaps and did a great job in pass pro as well. And it was like that was the way you beat Minnesota was doing that. So I think – and then obviously Mike Williams gets hurt and then Eckler's hurt and, and, you know, just – Things start, of course, because the Chargers falling apart. So I'm kind of tempted to give Kellen Moore a little bit of a pass for his work with the Chargers, but I wouldn't say he was like per- – it was not perfect there, and certainly there were issues in Dallas – uh, as well. So I'm, I think it's an upgrade for Philadelphia. I think it's definitely an upgrade for Philadelphia to go from Brian Johnson to, to Kellen Moore, but I'm, I still think there's going to be something left to be desired, uh, there from an offensive coordinator standpoint. And I, I wonder too, just like Jalen hurts is such a hyper specific quarterback. Like that's something mm. to me, James, I think yeah. we all have to wrap our minds around at this point. Like they never, they never go under center with Jalen Hurts, and I don't right. know that is if that is a offensive design issue or a Jalen Hurts issue. But um, a lot of people that play the position have just pointed out like that is going to make your life as a quarterback so difficult when you're constantly in the gun uh, for a variety of different reasons. And I wonder um, if Kellen Moore changes any of that this year. Well, when Kellen Moore was with Dallas, correct me if I'm wrong here, but wasn't Dak primarily, I mean, I don't want to say exclusively out of the gun, but man, he, he did his best work out of the gun. I think I could say that relatively confidently um, when we're talking about Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. So I don't know. Um, I'm not saying that obviously Dak and, and Jalen are, God, Jesus Christ, they're so different. Very different. Yeah. Um, as quarterbacks. Um, but 
you know, uh, again, I, I, I don't, I think he's got something in the bag there at least from, from a shotgun perspective. I don't know. I, um, I guess I'm not as worried about it, especially considering the, the offensive weapons that he's got surrounding him. Yeah, no, I mean, there was definitely some, it's just, there are also some great under center run concepts. Uh, yeah. With yeah, those yeah, Dallas yeah. Cowboys offenses. No, too. you're right. And that I think is something that the Eagles are desperately missing at this point, because especially from a play action standpoint. And that was really where Kellen Moore, uh, I think did his best stuff even before Mike McCarthy got there, like the final years of Jason Garrett, where man, they're like under center play action game was really, really, really good. And especially in involving the use of tight ends and like they have obviously Dallas Goddard, you know, maybe they could, they could add a few, like add a body there. I think that's the thing with Philadelphia is, how can you blend these two offenses together mm-hmm. and how can you get some better complementary pieces uh, in the door? I know it's like, okay, this is great for fantasy, right? When, all right, we know the ball is going AJ Brown, Dallas Goddard, Devonta Smith. And like, that's yeah, it. That's but it. But man, when the offense loses like 10% of the juice uh, that it had, like I said, from 22 to 23, and you just don't have like the drop off is so severe that, you're throwing a Julio Jones like every other game. You're like, oh my God, Julio Jones plays for the Eagles or like Quez Watkins or, you know, uh-huh. some of these guys at the tight end room. Like that needs to be an area of emphasis. Like adding some complimentary pass catchers to this group has to be a big piece of focus. I mean, even if they try to get a little bit more out of their running backs from the passing game, I think would be a huge boon too. I don't think they get enough um, from a pass catching perspective out of those running backs either. So I don't know. We'll see. Nope. Um, all right. So there you go. That's the show. Um, you know, I, I think we covered a lot of ground right there, but uh, a lot of offensive coordinator stuff, which is fun to talk about, but we're going to come back, man. And we're going to talk a little bit about Super Bowl in the next coming, coming days here. Um, and, and again, we just appreciate y'all man sticking with us. I, I know through, uh, all throughout the regular season, the, the growth of this show has been absolutely tremendous. Um, so we definitely, definitely appreciate all you guys, um, listening in and, and tuning in with us as we go. But man, this is the time at, <clears throat> this is the time at where we shine, baby. You know, we're talking about, you know, draft prospects and, and all that kind of stuff. This is, this is the area where Matt Harmon, uh, really makes his living. We got big things coming, man. Big things coming uh, with reception perception. Uh, I've been looking at the prospects earlier than ever. We've talked some about it on this show. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of free agent profiles that will be dropping pretty soon. Uh, Dynasty rankings just got updated on the website Beautiful. last week. So we are fully Beautiful. refreshed for the 2024 offseason, even if we still have one more, one more uh, as they say, big game to go. <laughs> there you go. All right, that's going to do it for us. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you. And remember, it's never too late to chase your dreams. Peace. <laughs>